Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. How you doing? Um, this, it, you know, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Well, you know what? I just came back from being in uh, Colorado, in Denver, Colorado for a month. Uh, my husband and I were in an Airbnb and we were visiting my stepson and daughter-in-law. And I really want to have a new word for stepson and I can't think of what it is. If any of you have an idea, let me know because it sounds so unfriendly, you know? But anyway, it was good. Uh, it was a, an intense psychological experience that I'm still processing. Uh, but it was, it was really good. And um, my stepson's 31 now and my husband and him bonded very in a new way, in a beautiful new way, actually. So I just want you young people to know, don't give up. You can still, you know, you can always improve your relationship with your parents. This is what you should know, okay? Um, anyway, thanks again for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. We are the greatest radio station in the Western Hemisphere, because I know I checked. And, um, you know, you should go to our website, RadioFreeBrooklyn.com, um, slash donate, donate some money. This is a really tough time, and we are doing something very important here. We're a real community-based radio station. Okay, I said that. Now I want to introduce the guest I have today. I have this uh, good-looking youngish young guy on Fariz Rabani and I asked him I hope I said his name right Fariz 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 I know I wasn't going to get it right anyway the reason I invited Fariz on the show today is because when um you know the, when the Supreme Court in the middle of June I think it was around June 18th knocked down the uh, DACA, you know, they were trying to like, Trump was trying to get rid of DACA and the Supreme Court said, fuck you. And then I noticed Farias, Farias, who is also a comedian and an actor. So we're in the same circles a bit. And he wrote this really beautiful post about how he felt about growing up and being a DACA recipient and the whole thing. And it really inspired so much commentary. And I was really touched. He got, you got 263 likes on that. <laughs> and I was just really taught and like for 18 shares, 45 comments, but the level of, and by people that really knew you, not somebody like me, people that know you, like people right. were really moved and what you wrote was really moving. And it made me realize as a self-proclaimed psychotherapist, this is an emotional, um, a big emotional experience that we, we don't talk about a lot. I mean, it's, you don't know if somebody's in a DACA participant or not just by looking at them or anything like that. So uh, Farias was generous in uh, agreeing to come on and talk about that aspect of his life with us today. Correct. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, let's just start with how did you feel when um, that with that posting, like what was that? That was a major posting. I'll include it when I, I'll include it in um, your bio when I post this too. But, okay. 
Um, just tell me what inspired it, what you felt like. Was that an experience for you, like the way that I'm imagining it might have been? I'm not sure what you're imagining it to be, but... I'm thinking like, wow, here's somebody that, you know, came out and was very forthright with people he knew that might not have talked about this so directly before. And he's gotten like so much really real support and feedback. That's what I'm guessing. But Yes. No, you're absolutely right on that then. Because, I, I mean, I posted it because I felt like yeah, this is a thing that people hear about, but they may not know someone who has experienced this. And I have a lot of my friends who, even though they may even know my situation, but not really know the experience of it, because mm -hmm. people just aren't sure what it is exactly. You know, like mm -hmm. people don't know how difficult immigration can be. Uh, people don't know how the experience could be. People don't know that I'm someone who people think is was born here or has all the opportunities here, but they don't realize, no, I've been very stunted in, mm -hmm. in how I've come up. Yeah. Right, right, right. Because, you know, you're a smart, educated, articulate guy. No one would ever think right. that way. But it, But do you get frustrated, like, with how little people are aware of what that really means? I I would like to say yes, but I want to, but I don't I don't expect people to know everything. Like, right. like if it's, if it doesn't affect you, uh -huh. if it didn't affect me, I don't know how much I would know about it. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. there's so many things that people are experiencing that, yeah, you get a glimpse of it, you know a little bit of mm -hmm. it, but then can you would you really dig deep and know everything about this? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, mm -hmm. and I tell even my wife, I'm like, if I wasn't going through this there's no way I could know what it feels like to go through this. Mm -hmm. So even though I can spend like hours talking to my friends and tell them like, this is what's going on, they empathize and they'll say that that's very frustrating and that sucks. But man, un unless you're living it day to day, you don't know how much it sucks. Right. Well, you know, it reminds me a little bit of what's going on with, I wonder if the feeling is somewhat similar to maybe what's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement now where white people like me are finally like waking up to really digging into what that's really like. It's not just your, you know, you say, say hi to your friends and you think, oh, they go home and everything's fine. And if they're black, it's not necessarily. The police are after them. So right. do you feel like that a little bit, like people just don't know? Um. I think with Black Lives Matter, it seems like there's been a tipping point of people saying, okay, we've had enough. Mm -hmm. Like racism has been part of America's conversation for so long. Right. Right. And police brutality has been around for so long. Right. But then somehow a tipping point came across and, and people are like, I, I actually think it's because people have been home and had time to think. Yeah, you're right. Don't have, don't, they don't have a lot of things to do. No, you're and right. So, all right, we'll go protest because we're seeing this. And it came in like a group of three, right? It was like uh -huh. the Central Park bird watcher guy and then mm -hmm. um, someone else, I think. Oh, Ahmad Aubrey is his name. I, okay, you shot. know what I'm thinking right now? I'm afraid I'm digressing because I really want to focus on you and I want to sure. get back to, because yeah, it's my I fault. Mean, it's my fault, but let's get back to, I want to understand how you came to this country and your parents and stuff like that. And 
I am focused because there's a lot to talk about and we've got limited time. So sure. I am focused. So how did you come to this country? How old were you? What was it like? I was nine, came from Bangladesh. My dad was here. I came with my mom. Um, coming here was great because I hadn't seen my dad for like six years. Since you were uh, three? Yeah, I think like my dad came to the and, U.S. when I was like three. And wh uh, why did he come here? For opportunities. Like he, he wanted to come here and, and bring us, you know, mm -hmm. he wanted to get settled here and then bring uh -huh. us. And he wasn't a resident either. He no quote unquote snuck in or whatever. He didn't sneak in. He, uh, so he, a, oh. lot of, a lot of illegal immigrants to the U.S. I, I think now the numbers are more than those quote unquote sneaking in. Yeah. Are uh, people who've overstayed their visa. Yeah, that's kind of what I meant. Right. Yeah. So he did that. Right. And then we came and we did that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, coming here was, was exciting. You know? Do you remember like seeing your dad for the first time and after all that time? Yeah. It was, was it like, it was weird because, you know, I hadn't seen him for so long and I'm nine years old and right. part of it, what, what happened, you know, in hindsight was that I think those were very valuable years to bond with your parents. Yeah, yeah. And not having him around certainly made us less close. Like, I'm not as close to my dad. Oh, right? really? Oh, yeah, yeah that um, makes sense. So that's, that's, yeah, and that's then when just I got one here, unfortunate thing. Yeah, when, when I got here, they were both working. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to school mm -hmm. and coming home by myself. Mm -hmm. And so there was like that. So how was yeah. it when your parents saw each other? That must have been intense. Do you remember? I don't really remember from my parents' point of view. Point of, view? <laughs> no. of course not. You were only nine years old. Who the fuck cares? Um, okay. So where, where, where was your dad? Where'd you guys live? Lived in the Bronx for mm -hmm. about two months. Mm -hmm. Then we came to Sunnyside. Mm -hmm. and have been in Sunnyside ever since. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the same apartment that I grew up in because my parents left this apartment. And because it's the rent is so low, I took it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And where did your parents go? They went back to Bangladesh. Back to Bangladesh. <laughs> right. And what year was that? 2013. So you haven't... I haven't seen them since February 13th, 2013. Wow. So that is so intense. Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah. Um, okay, I can't imagine what that was, what that was like. Yeah, that was very making that decision. Yeah, making that decision was hard um, because you know it's like the likelihood of me seeing them again may be zero, you mm -hmm. know, because they're older and who knows. Mm -hmm. what can happen in a third world mm -hmm. country. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it was very difficult. Why did they decide to go back? So my dad was just getting depressed being here. He got old. He was a cab driver. My mom was a nanny. My dad was getting older. He didn't want to do the job anymore. Right. Um, so he was just kind of sitting at home, maybe working one or two days a week. Uh. And, you know, even though he had paid taxes and all that stuff, he wasn't going to get social security. Right. And my mom, who was a nanny, it was just fortuitous that <laughs> she joined this uh, family to work with this family and they kept having kids. Uh. So 
They had like five, <laughs> they had five kids. And so for 20 years, she was at the, with this family, but then eventually those kids grew up. <laughs> so then now it's like, well, we don't really need you full time, which right. of course makes sense. So then all those things combined, it's like, all right, we're both getting older. There's no opportunities mm-hmm. here. Um, and we can just like sit home and rot or go back and potentially be with our family, have a social life and, mm-hmm. and do some traveling, which they have mm-hmm. done. You know, they've been to several countries and stuff. Which oh, because you hear. can't travel if you're not a citizen here because you can't get. You can't back. travel if you're undocumented. That's right. You can't travel as a doc, DACA recipient. I, as a DACA recipient, can travel in United States territories. So I can, right, I've, right. I've, been, I've been to Hawaii, I've been to Puerto Rico, but I can't uh-huh. go to Canada. But what about your parents? Were they in the, the, your parents weren't in the DACA? That's, no, DACA is just for- Just for, for children. Yeah, of, in case arrivals. you guys don't know, DACA is for children that were born here to parents who are not official U.S. citizens. Right. In so it's, you guys don't know. DACA stands for Deferred Action of Childhood Arrivals. So anyway, your parents went back. Do you think that was a good move for them? Are they happy? Is I think it so. A good thing? I, think, I think it was a good move. Um, yeah. That they have a social life. They yeah. Have, you know, speak the language. They have friends there. They have family. Yeah. There. Yeah. It's probably a relief for them. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a bittersweet thing, right? Like, I think they would ideal. The ideal world would have been that they could travel, come here once in a while. You know, see me and right. go go there, see them, and you know, they live the rest of life there. But that's right, the situation. Right, right. So, okay, so you guys came here. You were nine, and um, you started going to school. What happened? How did how did things progress? How did you realize, like, how when did it start mattering to you? When did you start noticing that you weren't an official citizen? Like, how did? Oh, it, it mattered to me when I turned sixteen because at sixteen, well, actually, no. Let's go a little bit back it mattered to me when I was 14 because in New York when you're 14 you can apply for working papers and work summer jobs and I couldn't do that um, because I don't have a work permit right then it but then I guess I was 14 that didn't I don't know if I really wanted to work 14, yeah right but 16 certainly mattered because when you're 16 you can get a learner's permit and I right. get a permit. yeah and so you couldn't. I couldn't. So that's oh, when it was like, no. okay, I can't do this. I can't. I can't drive. Um, and then and, and it's oh, go ahead. Is that still true? You can't drive. No. Once you once I got DACA, DACA then you can. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So at sixteen, it mattered, and then it kind of snowballed from there because. You know, approaching 17, you start thinking about college. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not eligible for financial aid. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I got scholarships and stuff, if I had to travel. Like, back then when I was in high school in the early 2000s, DACA was not a thing, right? Dream Act was a thing, which would have given me status, which would have mm-hmm. you know, been a path to citizenship mm-hmm. and all that. But that's been in the pipeline since I think the year 2000. Mm. So last 20 years, they've been trying to pass the DREAM Act, mm. which is why DACA recipients are, are called DREAMers. Right. Um, so 
So how that, did your parents wait? I just want to understand as an adolescent, how did your parents tell, like, how did you come to understand that? Did you say, why can't I drive a car? Why can't I, was it I explained always knew from you? the beginning, I always knew from the beginning, like when I was, when I came into the country that I was illegal, mm-hmm. that this was a secret that I shouldn't tell anyone that I'm illegal. So your parents made it really clear that you couldn't talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. It was What's just, that? You know, What's that? If they say if they say anything, um, just say, you know, you're you're not. You just avoid the subject. Essentially, is how they put it. Right. Yeah. Was that scary, or how did you feel about that? I said, okay, that's fine. Like you it just, didn't it, think much it of it. You no, felt safe. You felt safe with them, and it didn't really bother you. Yeah, it didn't like bother. It didn't me. make like, you good for them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you were an only child, right? You mentioned that earlier, right? That's I right. just want people to know. That's kind yeah. of unusual, I Is think, it? somehow. I don't know. I, I would have, I don't know. They went to a lot of trouble for one kid. <laughs> no, that's terrible. I, mean, uh, I think it's, it's for themselves <laughs> as well. I know, I know. Uh, okay, so that's how you first found out. And was that very upsetting? Or like what? When did it start? Like, what? When did you start like feeling like this? This is like, oh, you know. Well, it, it's. I think around sixteen, seventeen is when I started feeling it, and then. And then, college. It really felt like. What was the point of going to college? Like I, I just was super depressed in college. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was essentially four years of depression is what I went through. Oh wow. Um, because you're thinking like, all right, so I'm in college. Um, I can't get financial aid, so my parents are paying for it. Really? Uh, wow. Yeah. Your parents? And, wow. And I even I actually had a little bit of a scholarship. I lost it. I was just depressed. I lost it because I didn't care about my studies or anything. I was just thinking like, why am I doing this? What is the end game? Do I get a job after this or do I become a dishwasher mm-hmm. at some place? Mm-hmm. Um, I was pre-med and then I realized, wait, wow. I can't get a loan. So there's no point in doing that. So, wow. and then your friends are doing stuff and I don't have any money. I don't have a job. Um, it's after 9-11. So you can't travel. Um, you don't have a driver's license. You cannot leave essentially New York City. That's, you know, even if you were going on an Amtrak or Greyhound, there were all these reports about um, ICE checking for documents at random stops. So you don't want to risk that. And especially with a Muslim name, you don't want to definitely get on an airplane. Right, right, right. So all those things are closed off. You have no job, you have no money. I don't have an ID. You know, so even when I turned 21, I couldn't like go to a bar and celebrate and get drinks. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah. Everything is just closed off. You have, there's no prospect in your future. Days are going by, but all I'm going through is why, why am I doing any of these things? What's the point of any of these things? Did you talk to anybody about it? Did you talk to your parents about it? No, I never talked to my parents about it. And why is that? Yeah. Because I felt like there's no solution to this, right? They don't have the solution to this. They will only be more sad knowing that I'm going through this because they cannot help me. Only thing they can do is 
say this is a shitty situation, right? So and they were, know it's a shitty, shitty situation. So you were being protective of them by not Yeah, absolutely. It. I can imagine, right? Yeah. yeah and they, I, would, they, they would have felt horrible. Did they know you were depressed, though? Were you living with I, them? Yeah, I think they felt it, but we never discussed it. I don't know if they really know, like, um, depression. They knew, like, as I was getting older after college, like, they could f- feel like I was very agitated and... Mm-hmm. short-tempered at times um and my mom would make some comments like you know i know you're upset about your situation your temper is a little short nowadays and stuff like that and yeah i could feel that because i was just so angry i wasn't angry at anyone or anything but this situation that i'm in was there anyone you could talk to about it did you so i went in, in college um this was 2000 end of 2004 or early 2004 my dad was going through a heart operation oh and i had just transferred from baruch college to queens college mm-hmm. and i decided i'm going to be a psych major and i checked into therapy because i was like okay i gotta talk to somebody because i'm going nuts right because uh, i'm not talking to anyone about this right and and i remember <laughs> Like after a couple of sessions, the therapist was like, the first day you came in here, I didn't really understand a thing you said. You just said all these things that were so jumbled up. Wow. And I was like, yeah, because I've been thinking about so many things for years that right. just came out because I had nobody to say this to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I makes sense. It makes right. sense. I also want to point out, kids who are listening, this, is, this guy's got really good survival skills because that was a really fucking smart thing to do to get some help. Right. You know, and I don't know if everybody in your situation would have naturally thought of that. So that, that's like, that's, you, you get, you know, that's in you. That's your resources. Very good. Excellent. Excellent job. <laughs> so you went to a license shrink. Um, so what happened after that? Like, did it help you? Did you start? Yeah, it sending- definitely, it definitely helped. It definitely helped me open up. Uh, and then I, I became part of a counseling program at Queens College, and that was really great because it helped me um, better communicate to others. You and mean? Are you saying that, like, as a student, you were you were a counselor yourself? Is that what? Yeah, you mean? I okay, became a counselor. Cool. It was called a peer counselor, so I was okay. Uh, so other, other students, kids that had problems. That my, yeah. Or, yeah. So all those things. So it helped me become a better communicator. And then I realized, okay, if these, these are my friends and I tell them this situation, I shouldn't be afraid that they will shun me. Right. And, and so I opened up to one, then two, two and three and four um, slowly. And the, the reception was always positive and mm-hmm. empathetic and understanding. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Did, how did, was that, did that, did that change how you felt about being, you know, undocumented or with, with other people? Um, yeah, I mean, if my in, friend, in your own self, your yeah, own like situation. Yeah, like my friends knew, which was, which was great. Like my friends knew and. You knew who you could trust. Yeah, I knew who I could but trust. That, and if something comes up, like if I, if I, show my passport instead of an ID to get in some, some place, you know, it's like, okay, they're not going to like judge me or anything. Yeah. Or think about it. 
yeah. Like my, yeah. my fear was like, after 9-11 was like, all right, if I tell this to someone, they can maybe use this against me. Right. And, you know, I'm Muslim and I mean, but I'm, I'm an atheist, but like Muslim. Right. Yeah. So, but, you know, somehow they could use, of course, in the rational way of thinking, likelihood of that happening is next to zero. But in that time, in that moment, going through these things, you're thinking of worst case scenario. Right. And you're not, you're not even allowed to talk about it. So I want to understand, like, was there, so it sounds like you had shame. There was shame around, was there shame or fear? Like, what yeah, was I think, it? I think, I think a mix of both. I think a mix mm-hmm. of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say mostly fear. I don't know if I was ashamed of it. Uh-huh. I, think it was, I think I was definitely. Fear that. That it could be used against me. And that, how would it be used against you? I just want to understand. Well, like I said, like it's, it's after 9-11, people know, if people know. So would a teacher report you or a friend report you? Yeah. Like, let's say I get into a, some sort of fight, fight disagreement disagreement and they use it against, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like it just was like, protect yourself. Like I said, survival skills. And that was one of my way of protecting myself is like, let's not let anyone in. So holding that in is huge. Has that affected you in other ways as well? Like with secrets? And do you have any other parallel? I'm definitely more, um, I'm definitely not as, I'm way more open than I was before. Right. But I'm not, I don't like talking about myself too much in like very specific terms. Because you feel there's there's probably some like fear in you because of like yeah that I mean people, there's definitely tr- there's definitely trust issues right but also that people that people can have power over you just by knowing something minor which isn't you know because that's not who you are that's just a right. fact about you right so that I mean in a way that makes it less personal mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Um, so did, did the therapy help studying therapy, getting to know kids that had problems? Was that helpful? Yeah. I mean, getting to know kids. How about the chicks? What did you date chicks? Your, your hetero guy. He's really handsome. (laughs) Bad you're taken. In college. No, I didn't date because I was just so afraid that I had no money. And I was just like, what am I going to tell this girl? It was like, it's the worst. It was like, I'm, I'm looking back, I tell my wife, like, I wish I dated in college, but I yeah. didn't. Yeah, I should. I, sh- but I didn't you because didn't I was just so afraid. I was just so down on myself and I was just like, everyone's going to think I'm a loser and where am I going to take a girl out? I don't have any money. And of course, uh, you know, girls no one has go out with you. Some did, but and I well, just, you just wouldn't, I just wasn't, I just wasn't open to anything. I just, wow. first two, three years of college. I didn't really talk to anyone. Wow, really? Wow. Wow, it's hard to believe. It's hard. Like, I don't see that person. I'm sure they're in there. Yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, when depression happens, a lot of things can change, right? Like, even eating can slow down, and time slows down, and things slow down, and everything feels effortful. Mm -hmm. And when I was in it, it was just like, it was, everything was just in this slow-moving 
Well, I'm oh. sure that, uh, you know, when you're ambitious and you're studying for things and there's this big roadblock in front of you, that's got to be... Yeah, it's or very difficult. Was that? Difficult. Like, I can't imagine that. That's yeah. what it was, wasn't it? That's exactly what it was, yeah. Yeah, because you're like, you know, people, well, I'm not going to talk about how depressed I was in college either, but, you know, but like that is a time of your life where you can imagine, like you're fantasizing about what your future is going to be and yes. not having nothing to do with your own abilities or drive or hard work. Right. Wow, that yeah. sucks. So what happened um, after you graduated college? Did you? So after a while in college, I met this guy at the gym mm -hmm. who opened up a car dealership. And I said, hey man, I am looking for a job. If you have anything for me. He's like, all right, come down. And he could tell that I could talk and I'm not afraid yeah. to talk to people. P personable personable For and sure. so i became <laughs> i became a used car salesman <laughs> even though Sorry. i couldn't drive even though i couldn't drive even though i couldn't drive, I, i'd never driven um and i for for about eight years i sold used cars to to cab drivers lincoln and, town cars oh do you do you think that your dad being a cab driver helped you understand that no, audience not at all um no no i mean because my dad hated being a cab driver and Still, you know, no. Yeah, I mean, it was no. he was a cab no. he was a yellow cab driver, but these these guys were black car drivers. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so I was just selling town cars. I did that for about for eight years until I got DACA. Then I because I hated that job. I hated every day of that mm -hmm. job. Did you make a decent living? Like a it was decent in the sense that you know I had money, and then I started dating, and um, you could live on it. Yeah, I could live on it. I was living with my parents, so yeah, I had money. Like I had money, and I could I could feel like more. Person, my world opened like up a, a little bit. A little yeah. bit, a little, yeah. but still frustrating, right? Still frustrating because you're at a job that you hate, you know. Yeah, that has nothing yeah. to do, and you have no options. No options. It was that, or you know, become a dishwasher. Very, or, yeah, very, or very, yeah. very few options. Yeah. Um, wait, I just wanted to ask you something about that. Um, how did you sell cars without having, you don't have to drive in order to sell cars? You don't, you don't, especially, especially, <laughs> I did not know this. especially like when it's a specific car, they already know the car. Like if a cab driver- It's a already, town car. It's a town car. They know like, I'm looking for a town car, give me the best price, right. what year? And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. so I can yeah. just sell that. And I, and I did that for eight years. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. So then what happened? What happened with after Doc, DACA? So, so, so DACA was announced um, June of 2012. So almost um, eight years to the day of the Supreme Court announcement. And that uh, is, wait, that's a Obama, an Obama era thing? Yes. So Obama signed an executive order allowing people in my situation uh -huh. to get a work permit. Uh -huh. with, wow. that, with that, you can get an ID you can get a, get your driver's license and you can work um, and travel and all those other things that come along with it. Wow. Yeah. How did you feel? What was that like? How old were you? Uh, so I had just turned 28. That's, a, I mean, that's still, you know, too bad you weren't 20. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. Know, I mean, but 28 is, like, is still, those are years. Wow. Yeah, years so, went by. Years so what, what, what was that like that day? Do you remember it? Do you, what, what, what was it like? I was kind of like, I, I remember reading the near, I always re read the New York Times while like there was no customers. So I was reading it and I was like, this is what? Like, am I reading this right? Because people had asked him, there was like a coalition of people asking him to like do something like this. He said, I can't, I don't have the authority to do this. So this happened. I was like, but is this, is he like planning on doing this? Is this happening? I read it like two, three times. And I was like, no, this is definitely happening. Okay. Then I come home. I tell my parents like, this is something that could be really good. And then my parents are like, all right, so let's get a lawyer. Okay. So I find a lawyer and she said, okay, get your documents ready. Um, this is definitely happening. This is a legitimate thing and we'll apply. It's going to, you'll probably get it in like four to five months. I think I applied. It happened in June. I think in July, I was ready to like apply. Oh, kind of wow. Thing. And then December is when I got my work permit. Wow. So what was that like? Was your whole family like freaking out or what was it like? Um, it was. Was it like a huge celebration? Like a No, it wasn't a huge thing? celebration. It was just like, okay. Th because this is December of 2012. But two months later, my parents were going to leave the country anyway. So we were like in the middle of oh. feeling like the down of, of life at that moment. Oh, man. Right? Yeah. So, so that was, wow. That's kind of, is irony the right world, uh, word? I'm not sure. Yeah, what I'm not sure the word is. But that, that is a, like timing. Timing is, yeah, wow. Every, everything is on timing, isn't it? Um, yeah. So. I was excited, but I was still working at my job that I hated and my parents were leaving. So it's like, okay, let's see what happens after they leave. And they left. And then three weeks later I walked in, I said, I quit. Mm. And that, that felt great. Even though like I, mm -hmm. I knew like, I don't know what the future holds, but I just wanted to be out of that job as soon as possible. So did you know you were going to, by the way, I'm impressed that you were able to hold on to a job like that for eight years. Those aren't easy jobs. You know, you must've really, you know, yeah. you must've been, you did a good, you know, you accomplished something there for sure. Yeah, yeah. But how did you feel? Did you think like, Oh, I'm going to have no problem getting a job or did you think about any of that? Or what were you thinking? Well, what the, I what thought, what were you thinking quitting a job like that? Yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> So a couple of things. Um, I like all the while I was at the job, I was thinking like, if I just had papers, I would just leave this job. So then mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I've been thinking about this for so long. Now I have this thing. I don't want to be at this place another day. And then the night before I listened to a radio lab podcast where they're talking about how it's better to put yourself against a wall and then find a solution. So perfect. Like I'm thinking uh -huh. about this, I'm listening to this podcast, I'm going to do it. So I did it and I didn't have a job for three months and mm, that's not bad. my roommate, I got a roommate and he said, well, why don't you go to this um, temp agency and see if they can help you with someone. Oh, I said, okay, let's, let's, yeah, so let's do that. And the first place I got connected with, like three weeks later, the guy's like, all right, we want to have you full-time do you want to work full-time oh, like, yeah sure 
Oh, wow. What kind of place was it? That's awesome. It was doing like admin work for a pest control company. Pest control. Okay. Like a big, was it a big company or a medium? Small company, very small company, but the guy just was computer illiterate. And I'm like, yeah, all right, I can just do this. Right. Like apparently they went through like three, four people before me who Uh couldn't hack it. And I learned the job in like a day. I was like, this Uh is very simple. So were you happy to get that job? Yeah, it was very different from selling used cars, which is a very horrible world. Mm-hmm. And the job was super easy. The guy was, the mm-hmm. boss was really nice. And I was like, great. And, and I mm-hmm. would support me. I could, you know, it, it paid well, would support me. You could take chicks out. I could take, yes. <laughs> and, and I could do stand up as much as I can now. So it's right. It yeah. Oh, right. Cause you had like a nine to five kind of job. So you could do stand up at night. Is that when you started performing mostly or? Yeah, like around that time, I was doing like 40 shows a, a month. Wow, because you did, you studied psychology. So did you get into stand-up before acting? I, I, was, I was going into stand-up like while in college, but not like full-on, full-on. Right. Until uh, after college. And then by the time um, I got my new job, I realized, okay, like now I have money, I can take acting classes, I can do other things. Yeah, because you're a real seriously trained actor, guys. I mean, this guy's, you are in, I mean, you've made a lot fucking happen. Trying so, to. <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah, he's got, you know, where did, you went to a really good school, I can't I remember. I went to Esper, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. There, see? You didn't quit. You've got really good drive and didn't ambition quit. and brains. So it's impressive. Okay. So, so then your life must have changed radically, right? Because you mm-hmm. had like a job, you had the cash and you were going out and doing comedy every night. Yep, How yep. was that? It was great. Was that it a was, really great part of your life? It was great. Yeah. And then uh, I went to Vegas for my first flight, you know? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What, like with friends or? Yeah. I was like, uh, I was going to celebrate my 30th birthday. Oh my God. Is that what you did? Yeah. Was that like, was that like amazing? Oh, I like when I, when the plane took off, I was like, well, I can't believe this is happening. Wow. How many guys? Yeah. It's two other guys. Two other guys. Yeah. Okay. We, that we can, we can see that on, on one of those, you know, reality shows about what happened there or. (laughs) Didn't they cover that in the, uh, what is that, um, the, um, you know, that, oh, forget it. There's a lot of movies that have covered that scene. Yes, yes. <laughs> but anyway, that must have been fabulous. Yeah, that was awesome. Mm. And so did, did you feel like a whole new world had opened up or? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And did just... you feel like better about everything or? Yeah, I could feel like my head was clearer. Wow. My, my head just cleared up within like two months. I was like a different wow. person. Wow. I really... went from being very negative about just the world in general, I would say. And you know, everything was looked through a very foggy, you know, tinted glasses. Right. So that you must really, you must have had like a lot of appreciation for really simple things that a lot of us, Americans yes. take for granted, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Starting from your identification. Yeah, just yeah. being able to get on a plane. Just being able to get on a plane, to have your ID, to... to getting a stupid job. To getting a job, yeah. To getting yeah. a job on the books is, yeah. 
yeah, mm -hmm. all that, all that stuff. Um, okay, so then um, you had that job. Do you still have that? What? So what? What's happened after that? Like what happened? So that was two thousand and twelve. Mm -hmm. And then did things change when Trump got elected? Like what was that like? Like were you nervous when he got yes, elected? Absolutely. That was um, a big deal. Did yeah, you think he was going to get elected? None of us. No, did. no one did. I mean, I, I followed 538 all the time and followed everything and it was just like no so way. So was that that night cuz I remember that night when he won also. I mean, yeah, that no, was it, was, a big, it was terrible. Was that because, like a really big Yeah. Yeah, it was it was terrible um, because, because he campaigned. He campaigned on ending DACA. I I know. So so I was like, okay, this could just be over. Like I was just starting to enjoy it, right? It's been like three years. Nothing. That's nothing. And, yeah, and so it's like, wait, so what, what's going to happen? And not only that, other fears creep in because DACA is you voluntarily giving your information to the government saying, right, right. I am illegal right. here. Right. right. So once you don't have that status, that protection, mm -hmm. you're subject to deportation. Right, right. It's like you told all your secrets to the government. Right. So then if Trump, who is also very anti-immigrant, oh, yeah. ends DACA, what does that mean for me? You know, right, so, right, right. so all those things... All those fears creep I want to ask you something. Um, you know, when he did that horrible thing where he closed down the borders or, you know, when they, when they, when he just did that thing right in the beginning where he had all those refugees and everything all, mm -hmm. you know, at the borders, that was really <clears throat> awful. And you haven't been in that situation, thankfully, where, you know, in an immigration camp or something right, like right, that. Right. But did that affect you? Did you, do you look at those people and think, like have a different perspective than say I would or yeah, did you I mean, look at that? Did you look at that scenario and did it, did it upset you? I mean, it I, upset everybody, but I, it yeah, I think it's upsetting. So there's, there's several thoughts on it is one is just like how you treat people. Right. So mm, there's oh, that. Yeah. yeah it's, right. I think for me, for, for, it's just basic on that. I think someone who is here, 20 plus years is different from someone who's here six months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. your yeah. roots are less. Yeah. If yeah, someone, yeah. it's okay. absolutely horrific if someone has to go through deportation and, or like, you know, people are sneaking into the country yeah. uh, by coyotes and all those things. Oh yeah. That's a, t that's an experience right. on its own that I can't imagine. Right. right? Of course. But I do think there is a difference between sending someone back who just entered right, the country. Right, 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 right. Because like if you had, right. Yeah. So if you thought about what it would be like to go back to oh, yeah, Bangladesh, so what, yeah. what, what, what about it is, is disturb, disturbing to you? Oh, so many things. I mean, like what kinds of things? The biggest thing would be that I'm an atheist in a Muslim majority country. That in itself is a huge thing. Um, mm -hmm. B, it would be that I don't speak the language very well. I don't really read the language. Mm -hmm. um, it's really just dropping me in. You could drop me in China, it'd be the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, what is would it, I do? Is it There's scary? No, like you wouldn't know anybody or just how would you What I, I think it's just, it's a very 
I'm so Americanized uh-huh. that it's, it just would feel like I don't know what I would do with myself. Uh-huh. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, would I be doing stand-up? Of course not. Would I be doing acting? Those are my two passions. I wouldn't be doing that. Uh-huh. Maybe I'd be a call center guy. You know, that's, that seems like that's what I would do. Like I would wow. be speaking English, you know, and maybe that's what I would do. Wow. I yeah. Wow. 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 Um, do you think you'll ever, do you have a desire to go back and see what it's yeah. like there and stuff like, I mean, I, are I you curious about it? Absolutely. I want to see my yeah, parents. Want to see, and, yeah, no, of course you want to see your parents, but are you curious? I mean, it's a place that yeah, you could I, be deported to that you don't even know what it's like. No, if given the opportunity, of course, I would definitely visit. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as time has progressed and where we are now, so what, what, what has the Trump era been like for you? Like, what is this whole situation? I mean, like? I think, I think anyone who's liberal minded has been a dumpster fire. And so it has been for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not, everyone's experience is different, I guess. And I, yeah, I mean, look, you know, we all have, it's been horrible for all of us in our very own special ways. Right. Um, yeah. But has it, so like what I guess I'm wondering about is it sounded like when uh, Obama uh, put that executive order uh, order forward that that was a huge sigh of relief for you and, huge. and all the other people yeah. like you in your situation. So has this put it like, is it like a damper on that? Has that old anxiety? Are you traumatized by that old anxiety? Has it come back? Like that kind of stuff? Like, wh- how, how do you think it's affected you? Um, well, with Trump, it's, it's affected I'm, certain decisions, like um, whether or not to start a family and things like that. Because it's like, well, if things do change, and I do get sent back, which is in the realm of possibilities. Mm-hmm. Then what does it mean for, for my family? What does it mean for my future? So, so, you're, so things you're, have been guarded. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. things have definitely been guarded. So you're married and uh, we, there's some laws. There's a re, your wife is an American citizen, but, right. be, but, the, but you still can't be one because of the laws. I don't know, guys, you don't want to hear the details because I'm sure it's it's all very technical and technical you unfortunate, and unfortunate but uh, that is the way it is yes um so now if you were from another country you could move here and get married and become a citizen if you were officially from another country no it has to do with my status so if i came here from let's say canada um or whatever country and i came here with a status then Yes, then I can yeah, do something. Okay, like, whatever. Yeah. But so it doesn't matter. You can't, you can't, you don't. So do you and your wife think about that? I mean, yeah, wanting to have Absolutely. Or... I mean, you know, when, when we discussed getting mar- married and all that, my reluctance was saying like, well, if we do that, what happens if I get sent back? You know, do I want to start something knowing that there's this cloud over me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the end, we just said, well, you know what? Can't live life by fear. Mm. And so we got married. Um, 
You got married mm -hmm. pretty recently. February 18th. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Newlyweds. Um, yes. And now we're talking about, you know, potentially kids and things like that. Uh -huh. So, yeah, we're not going to live by fear. And that's, that's what we So that's what you guys have decided you're just going to do what? Yeah. Where is your wife from? Ohio. Mm -hmm. And how did you meet her? Uh, through OkCupid. Nice. <laughs> but she was, was she living in, Amer uh, in America? Was she living in New York? Yes, she was. Yeah, so I mean, it, yeah. Um, how did you, do, were you worried about telling her about your status or did you tell her right from the beginning? It wasn't on your okay Cupid profile? No, it, it certainly wasn't. Um, how did you handle it? Was that I, hard? I told her when we were getting serious. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't tell, I think I told two or three girls I dated. Uh huh. That it's not situation. a first, it's a third date it's, thing. It's, not it's a like a law. It's like when, th if things are getting serious type thing. Wow. But, um, but the thing is she's very um, educated and she was teaching the dream act and things when she was teaching in college. So she's, she was a professor before. Oh, wow. And so she was very well versed in this, Oh. situation so it just kind of worked out that oh wow when i told her she's like oh yeah i know what this is what that is i'm like wow okay oh that must have been awesome for you that to have great. somebody yeah. that really knew knew and mm -hmm. not, not only knew but really interested yes absolutely. that can you know somebody that wow um so that's not a that wasn't a pro problem not at all yeah <laughs> it just worked out <laughs> that did work out yeah. do you think that's partly why you feel you know, maybe has something to do with why you feel trusting of her or. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's, that's, that's she's that. that kind of person that can, that is interested in forward thinking about that kind yeah. of. Yeah. Right? No, absolutely. She's yeah. Definitely so she's got to be, she's got to be a cool chick. She's very cool. Way cooler than I How long have you, how long have you been, how long did you know her? How long did, did you, how long did it take you to like seal the deal? So to propose, I proposed or, or get married. So we're, we're going to be five years in, in the end of August. Oh, so you've known each other five years. Yeah. That's a good sign. Yeah. I give you, I think, I think it'll work out then. I think so too. <laughs> Feels good. And we've got two cats and a dog. And has she met your family then? No, she, um, your parents, I mean, she was going to go to Bangladesh this Christmas, but with COVID, who knows? Probably. Oh, not. so she would go by herself to meet your family. Yeah, that was the plan. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, that was the plan, but I don't think it's going to happen with all the stuff that's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So, but um, I think that is a really positive thing that you guys are just going to go forward and live your lives without fear. Yeah, I think that's the only way to to do it. Yeah, I get, I guess. So, what's your feeling um, for the for the future, like, what do you, like, I mean, we, everyone who's listening to this show wants that horrible guy out, but what, yeah. like, how do you feel? Like, what's, what's the feeling you have about the future and what do you think is going to happen? And Well, I think of, in the world of immigration, the population that's most sympathetic um, to people who may be anti-immigration 
is the DACA population. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if this is naive or wishful thinking or just me being a blind optimist, but I was thinking like, even if the Supreme Court decision hadn't gone the way it did, it would have forced Congress to act to do something because mm -hmm. it's like, well, now what happens to these people that have given their information voluntarily mm -hmm. to the government? Mm -hmm. So there's that. Um, mm -hmm. And then I think if Biden wins, then he kind of essentially said like, we will take care of this in the first hundred days or something like that. Oh, so, okay. So I'm optimistic mm -hmm. to see what happens. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, that's the only way to be, I guess. So what, what, what kind of restrictions are on you now? What can't you do? Or what, what, how, how is it a problem? I well, mean, there's always like the fear that you do something wrong, right? Like, so driving without an insurance, if you're, this is an interesting story that happened to someone that I kind of knew that she was from Ireland. She was driving with expired insurance, which in that state, or maybe it's in every state, but it was a felony. Mm -hmm. And the cops said, I, I won't report you because she had said, like, you know, don't report me. She's like, okay, I won't report you. But if she was reported, she would have been deported. Really? So, yeah. Because really? Wow. The thing, the thing that's, that's um, people understand, wow. what people don't understand about immig illegal immigrants is that they're not causing crimes. Right. Most of them are, not, are just hiding and trying to, like, stay mm -hmm. away mm -hmm. from the... Right entanglements of law enforcement as much as possible because once you're in the system anything can happen right right right. right? so that's the that's a big fear is like if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time right. bad luck can take over and who knows what happens wow um there's that and then i also can't i can't leave the country there's the other that's the other because you can't come back in right so the fact that you can't visit your parents is like a really really big fucking deal yeah and they can't come visit you no uh, that yeah, is it's, it's tough let's hope it's let's hope it's very temporary yes you know um what about um i wanted to ask you you know we only have a few minutes left we have like three minutes left sure. but i was just curious about what what I mean, I asked you before, I think, before we got on the air, if you had a lot of friends who were in DACA, but you guys don't hang out together. I think because it's a thing where it doesn't necessarily come up. Like when I po made that post on Facebook, a girl from high school sent me a message like, hey, I was in this situation. I left the country because after I finished high school. I didn't know what else to do, and I left. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, man, I wish you had told me. Like, I wish yeah. I had known. But it doesn't come up, because it's not right. like you're doing things, and you're like, oh, hey, I'm illegal, too. <laughs> you're just kind of, you know, you're just kind of. Right, right. It just so doesn't you come don't, up. Yeah, you, you don't know, you guys can't identify each other. What about um, taking action? Is that really hard, because you're an illegal immigrant, an illegal alien or whatever you are. Yeah, I mean, people will say undocumented, whatever. I, undocumented. I, don't, I, don't, I like alien, although I don't know if I would want to be called that. I feel like an alien anyway, but. Um, I mean, I've, I've been reluctant to protest and things like that for that reason. Mm. It's just like, you know, you look at what's going on with 
Black Lives Matter and peaceful protest can turn violent mm -hmm. on a dime. And so I just never wanted to risk it. So DACA people are in kind of a no-win situation that way because you can't really protest, right? Yeah, I mean, you can, but it's a risk, right? Everything yeah. is a risk. Everything is yeah. a risk. Like for a while, I wouldn't that. go to bars, because, like when I didn't have an idea or anything like that, because I would just think like, okay, if shit goes down and they're checking IDs and things like that, mm -hmm. that's a big red flag on me. And it's like, So let's, does let's everybody seem like, like, I mean, in a certain way, people must seem like they have it so easy. Does everybody look really spoiled to you taking all this shit no. for granted? No, it's like, this is, this we is take the, for granted. This is, this is the world, you know, it's like, uh -huh. but I think you've gotten some really good life experiences out of it. No. Yeah. I, I yeah. think. Yeah. Are you happy about that? I mean, if that, if that's a silver lining to look at it, then yeah, it's like, I've, it's certainly made me more empathetic and more uh, understanding of people's. And very disciplined, I'm guessing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and appreciative. So we only have, um, I'm going to have to, uh, we're going to have to go, but um, what What do you have? I want to remind people, say, spell spell your website. F oh, I'll spell it. F-A-R-I-A-Z.com. That's right. And you're um, looking forward to getting back to performing, acting, absolutely. comedy as yep. soon as the shit clears. So you're in the same boat with everybody else on that one. Oh, yeah. That's got nothing to do with DACA. No, it does not. <laughs> I cannot wait to go back and perform and tell jokes. Yeah, I know. Well, you're going to have to let us know when you do. I'll be looking. I will for, let you know. I will be looking forward to it. So uh, stick around. Uh, sure. But I'm just going to say thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, everybody. I'm here every Thursday, two to three p.m. Um, all my social media is at. Dr. Lisa Levy SP. Uh, let me know if you have any thoughts that you'd like to share. And I want to encourage you, you know, Radio Free Brooklyn is really one of the best organizations. And I've been involved in a lot of creative organizations in my day, folks. And it is really a beacon of light, truly inclusive. And we have so much great programming. We have uh, you know, every kind of music, talk, comedy, politics. We even have kind of like a, a sermon on Sunday mornings, which is so amazing. But, um, you know, check us out. Stick, stick around. We've got great programming this afternoon with Lost and Rewound by Elon Danziger. He was on my show a couple of weeks ago. He's really funny and smart and he does great interviews and he kind of takes people back to middle school. So I think you would enjoy listening to that. And, um, you know, just hang in there, man. We're going to be okay. Dr. Lisa gives a shit. Dr. Lisa gives a shit. Dr. Lisa gives a shit about you.